You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello and welcome to episode 192 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is Dave and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. And Andy. Hello there. So sadly, no Jay this week. He's uh, too busy earning the coin for more Warhammer, but I'm sure he'll be back next week chomping to talk about some more Warhammer goodness. Now, for this week's show in our main segment, we're going to actually be taking a bit of a delve into our ongoing projects and new projects coming up. This is a little bit inspired by an upcoming event later on in the year, which we're going to talk about in more detail uh, when we get to the main segment. But it's pretty exciting and I'm really pumped for it and um, we've also got quite a chunky news section this week i know there's been quite a few reveals today actually hasn't there matt there has yeah it's been a good day for reveals yeah it has it's, we picked the right day to record this podcast all happens on monday uh, and of course we will be talking about this week's top three of which we're going to be discussing our top three discontinued paints so which paints are we longing to return to the range uh, which paints do we miss the most We've been absolutely bombarded with community top three picks this week. So we're going to read out as many as we can towards the end of the show. But that's quite a ways away yet because we've got quite a lot of fun things to talk about. In the meantime, I'm going to start this week uh, with our hobby update, as we always do. So, Andy, what have you been up to in the hobby since the last episode? Um, Well, after the doubles event um, and finishing my war dogs, I think it was like the Thursday night before the event. I decided this week I'm going to have a little bit of a quieter week. Um, So I've just focused on uh, building stuff, uh, specifically stuff from the Age of Darkness box set. Um, So I've been building some Cataphracty Terminators. Um, I've built um, five, all of them with combi bolters, two power fists, two chain fists and a power sword, which works out at 225 points, I think it is. So if I build the other five from the Age of Darkness box at exactly the same, it's almost like a nice 500 point force to just focus on um, and building them. Like I, I mean, I love my Terminate models, but building them, they were they were really nice. I mean, the shoulder pads are um, a little bit sort of um, uh, wobbly, but once you find the correct spot for them, they they go together perfectly it's just finding that initial sort of spot mm. um i've also built um another 10 mark 6 tactical marines from the age of darkness box set um i've gone for regular bayonets on these guys rather than the uh chainsaw bayonets um that i went with on the other squad um and then um i've been pouring over the necromunda book the book of judgment for some Palatine enforcers, for a uh, for for something that we'll probably end up talking about later in in the episode. So, um, and yeah, that, that's about it really. Um, just building some uh, Horus Heresy stuff, and um, yeah, doing a bit of reading for some upcoming events. Nice. Um, I've also had a, a bit of a quiet week. I know last week I was mentioning I was completely ripping apart my game tree, which seems to be taking absolutely forever to finish. But I have now um, pretty much finished it. I've now got a clear space for 
painting. Um, what I do have uh, in this sort of next to be painted is I've got a full unit of built and primed Orlocks. So I had previously painted a couple of these, but neither of them have made it into my starting army, uh, starting army, starting gang. Um, so I've now got that finalised. I know how I'm spending my credits for the start of our campaign. Um, much to your delight, Matt, I have decided to drop my pooch. So um, the first thing I'll be buying when I earn enough credits is a dog for my gang. Because, I love um, how you make me sound like the bad guy. You are the bad me. guy. Tells me to really, not take a dog in my gang. I was really looking for... Actually, the real reason I'm not taking the dog is because I built one of my gangers wrong. I forgot that the Jews for all locks can't take uh, auto guns. So I had to build... A, I had to find the points to build another one that was armed as a Jew. So... Um, that yeah that's that's what happened there but they're really nice models to put together they're all primed they're all ready to be painted uh which is my priority this week before moving on to something really important which we're going to talk about later on in the show um aside from that i have um not really done anything else i don't think uh no i, th- I think that's it for me um matt how about yourself so when the warrior lodges spread throughout horace's fleet and there were secret meetings and and coins passed and some some would say almost cults, but you know that would be ridiculous. There was one rule that when anyone asked them, you know, what they were involved in, the answer would have to be, I can't say. And unfortunately, <laughs> I can't say what I've been painting this week. It is really exciting though. So just imagine me painting some cool models. Um, yeah, sadly, that is all I've got for you on the update, Dave. Oh, well, there you go. That's um, that was the briefest hobby section I think we've ever had. And um, I mean, I hope I, I always say this, but I hope to get have quite a lot done in the next week. And I have actually got a day off tomorrow, um, which I hope to cram some painting into. Um, especially now my paint desk is all set up. So hopefully we'll have a bit more of a interesting hobby update for you later. But we do have our main segment where I'm sure we're going to be only touching on um, stuff that we're going to be painting in the next few weeks as well. Um, so, yeah, I think without further ado, we're going to take a brief pause and then we're going to come back with all of the latest news. So what do we have in this week's news, Matt? So it's been, uh, considering there's no, no new pre-orders as such, uh, it's quite a cool week for reveals. So um, as we said last week, Contrast Paints are a two-week pre-order. Um, if all the heresy hadn't dropped recently, I'd have ordered the whole lot. I might have to order an assortment, certainly the washers. Uh, but yeah, that's on order for another week. But there are some interesting pre-orders coming um, next Saturday. For a start, a lot of made-to-order. So there's some very classic Chaos Sorcerers that I've got for, um, for made-to-order. These are some really, really old models. But they're kind of iconic, and kind of that theme goes for a lot of this stuff on this pre-order this week. Yeah. And we, we've also got the made-to-order Exalted Champion. That yeah. I want to say that's the plastic one out of Dark Vengeance. In fact, it is the plastic one out of Dark Vengeance. This one surprised me because I thought it was just in the range. I thought you could just buy this. He, yeah, he so. was. So he, he he was previously boxed with a squad of cultists, the old Dark Vengeance cultists. He's not been available since that box has disappeared. And obviously now we've got the uh, the Blackstone Fortress cultist box is the current cultist one and doesn't include this exalted champion. So, uh, mm. yeah, you can get him again if you have not already got him. So that's quite cool. But 
I think the best thing up for me to order next week, and I'm sure Dave will agree with me, is a whole <laughs> bunch <laughs> of Skaven. Yes, and yes. We have got some cool stuff here, like classic Jez Goodwin Skaven sculpts, including the original Vermin Lord as well. Yeah. Which, you know, it's, it's okay. It's not quite as big and imposing and as impressive as the new plastic one, but I have a soft spot for that Vermin Lord. As I do for Thankwell and Bone Ripper. Yeah, they, I mean these just scream. I mean they're the absolute classics. Uh, that Vermin Lord, I believe I read on the Skaven uh, Facebook group. I could be wrong. It's on the right size base. Um, it's a very small. I, I don't think they're on that smaller base. I might be wrong. I think the current one's on a much bigger base. Uh, maybe maybe I'm being misinformed. Um, but yeah, it's still a very classic looking model. My favourite though is that um, Plague Priest on the the giant rat. That's very cool. Don't that remember ever seeing cool. that. Um, Don't ever remember seeing him originally when he, he was first out. But I was a latecomer to Warhammer, so maybe that's why I missed him. Yeah, is he Plague Lord Nurglitch? I want to say. Nurglitch. Yeah. yeah, I think that's him. Yeah, he came with the. Um... Lustria book back in I think it was sixth edition, maybe fifth edition. Yeah, the Skaven were fighting the lizard men in that campaign. Yeah. He's a really cool model. Um I wonder I wonder if someone was to like generate something up using the anvil of apotheosis for a uh, mounted Skaven Lord. Maybe we'll talk about that later on in the show day. Yeah, we might have to, Matt. We might have to. So I take it you're 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 gonna get some of this stuff then, Dave. I think so. Um he's a definite um not sure about the others maybe the arch warlock is it it yeah maybe him as well nice that's cool they just they've got a bit of character to them haven't they these old models they do they really really do uh and it'll break up their kind of army as well i am tempted by that vermin lord he's kind of the the, the ogre size dave if you haven't seen one of them in the flesh so he's Ah, he's quite a small model um, right. But it's 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 really cool, really cool model from from back in the day. So yeah, so that's some some exciting pre-orders slash made to order. The other exciting thing that has been revealed on Warhammer Community this week is the new Kill Team set. So this time last year, August to be exact, if you want to kind of have a time frame for when we might be expecting this, we saw the brand new edition of Kill Team with the Octarius box, which is a big box filled with scenery with the Death Corps of Krieg. And the York Commandos. And then every quarter following that, we got a new big box filled with scenery and two kill teams. Meaning that we've had, really, four big scenery boxes and eight brand new kill teams over the course of the year. Which I think is like more support than kill team had like during the original run of the game. Yeah, I think so. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. And this week on Warhammer Community... They shared a little teaser trailer about what's coming in the future. Now, what they allude to in here is that this will be set on a space hawk. Obviously, space hawks. It's a this is a new a new environment for us to fight over. Traditionally, there've been a, a battlefield, quite a small footprint battlefield, and um, you know, dense scenery and stuff. This is going to be tight, winding corridors. We did have the rogue trader box, which kind of did this. Yeah. But obviously, kill team. The, the the board game had card tiles that were modular to make kind of a a map. Now I do wonder if we see a similar thing here, but with plastic scenery. So plastic corridors and doors and bulkheads and stuff. Um, and obviously, if you think of this, the the footprint of a kill team game, you probably need 
less plastic sections than you do the card sections to make a board game. Yeah. You know, and they can always they can always sell those sets separately, which I'm sure, absolutely sure they will. The other alternative is that it is more of a the the corridors are printed on the kill team board and then mm. we get doors and walls and stuff that go on top of that a bit like with the uh pariah nexus kill team set that came out at the end of first edition yeah yeah that's that, what that i would, would expect that would still be very cool I, I i mean i obviously clearly prefer the full plastic but yeah for for, for cost and what they've already got available that's probably more realistic I mean, it works for Curse City, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, the thing, the thing is, though, obviously, in those boxes, you get an awful lot of scenery, like £120 worth of scenery. So I I don't think it's outside the, you know, the realms of possibility that we do get plastic corridors, plastic doors. He's talking similar volume of frames to, um, you know, the, the, the buildings and stuff that we've got in the other sets. Hmm. Oh, finger, fingers and toes crossed. Fingers I and hope toes so. Crossed. So now, obviously... In the trailer, we hear lots of hissing and screaming and alieny noises at the end. Um, I assume, as is tradition with um, Kilty, uh, with um, Space Hulk, that we get gene stealers or tyrannids of some description. In in previous editions of um, Space Hulk, the, the gene stealers have been the antagonists. In Space Crusade, which is kind of like genetically related, we got the uh, the gorgeous plastic goofy teethed tyrannid warriors which i know dave loves very much um now i'd like to think that we'd get new genes to listen here because we probably need fresh ones equally we could get a brand new strain of tyrannid creature or a brand new alien race that hasn't existed before it'd be pretty cool yes it would um it would be very cool um i just wonder if they'll do that with the amount of kits like you say the gene stealers is such an old kit i think as much as new stuff is always cool i think i would like to see new gene stealers over a new kit personally yeah same i mean seeing something like vespid and stuff like that maybe without the tau guns and stuff like that that would that would be cool but yeah i think gene stealers are just i mean when you when i think of tyrannids i think of gene stealers so for me personally getting a new gene stealer kit would be amazing yeah yeah I really think so. And the other question is, who's the kind of protagonist in this box? And I think we've already seen them. Obviously, we've seen the the cat. Um, and this is based very kind of specifically based in the style. As soon as I saw it, I thought I've seen that basing style recently. Now, when we saw the Carsican revealed on Warhammer Community, we had an army shot of all the new um, Astro Militarum kits, and the Carsican stuck out like a sore thumb to me that they were on kind of like black grey bases. And at mm. first, we, we kind of, is this a Blackstone Fortress release? I mean, that game's kind of ran its course now. And I think it's clear to me now that those models are in this Kill Team set. Yeah, I I agree. Um, the the sculpted bases, like you say, give give it away that they're in some sort of box set. They're not just a standalone plastic kit. But you say that the 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 all the other kill team sets come with standard plastic bases. This makes me think specifically we're going to have molded plastic floor in the same way that the Necromunda plastic bases match the zone mortalis tiles. Ah, good show, good show. Yeah, yeah, I can see what you're thinking there. 
Now, the cat itself has got an inquisitorial symbol on the side, which isn't unusual because it has been thrown on a few Imperium things. But yeah. could this be a crack team of Carsican under the command of a low-level Inquisitor? Oh, don't, 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 don't do this to me, Matt. I'm trying to say strict on what I'm doing here, but that, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah that, that so. would be cool. I'd, I'd like to see an Inquisitor, because we haven't had... We've had two out of the three, haven't we? But the one we haven't had is the one in Terminator armor, if I remember right. I can't remember which one it is now, but yeah, seeing like an Inquisitor in a, in a kill team set would be amazing. I would like to see, we're going slightly off topic here, but you mentioned about obviously different Inquisitors you can buy. I would like to see, in the similar vein to the Sisters of Battle, um, what's she called? The Canoness. Uh, an Inquisitor kit where you can build your Inquisitor to like your order and equip him how you want. Um, that's what I'd like to see. But anyway, we're going completely off topic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, um, with this being a kill team set, I don't think we'd see that in this box. No, no. Particularly. Unless, of course, they had rules for different operative Inquisitors, in which case then, yeah. And then you never know, in a future Agents of the Imperium book, could you see... Karsakin is like a retinue choice for an Inquisitor, so you can do a pure Inquisitorial army. Yeah, that would be amazing, because at the moment you have like Acolytes, which, if you look at the gear, you can kind of... They are a bit like Karskin, um, with like, they can take the last guns, they can take some of the special weapons that um, Scions and stuff can take, uh, like Hotshot last guns I think they can take as well. Um, but yeah, those new Karskin models would, would make great Inquisitorial retinues. Yeah, they really would. They really would. So, yeah, so but guess what, guys? You haven't got long to wait to find out what is actually in this box. Oh, really? This coming Sunday at 2 p.m. is the Summer Skirmish Preview Online, where we will see revealed all the new releases for the next three months, generally. And you never know, maybe further into the future, based on the last reveal show that we saw, uh, for Kill Team... Warcry, Warhammer Underworlds, Blood Bowl, and Necromunda. I am a big fan of skirmish games, and I am very, very excited for this reveal show. Obviously, the the big ticket ones are probably going to be this Kill Team Space Hulk game, and the what we assume is the new edition of Warcry set out in the swamps of Gur. That sounds super exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, equally, Warhammer Underworlds, uh, we're, we're due some new uh, warbands, aren't we? We are. Uh, possibly even the next season because we've got like two seasons a year now haven't we yeah we have we have you're right there um so we'll, we'll get a new starter box then with two new warbands well didn't potentially, they potentially didn't they hint at on warhammer community recently that there was um obviously the the new season is going to be set in Gur. um there was a picture which kind of looked like bone behind trees to me so i'm kind uh, of i think that was i think that was hinted towards Warcry actually for, yeah Warcry setting go Warcry setting go warhammer underworld is currently set under in the aquatic caves below orgu is where wonderworld is set at the minute but yeah, yeah so, been, yeah. so yeah, either, either way we'll, we'll see hopefully the new box for Warcry, which i'm hoping includes some new jungle scenery because that's something we've not had for a long time and that'd yeah. be really cool like jungly trees and um underworlds it, it, worst case just a warband best case the new kind of uh season box 
Blood Bowl presumably we'll see a new team, maybe a new expansion book. Um, I'd love to see Kemri for Blood Bowl. That'd be my kind of guess because Do you know, them and Chaos Dwarves are guess are the big and Amazon's the big ones that haven't been done. If I was a betting man, I don't know why I get this feeling, but I've got a funny feeling it's Chaos Dwarves. Chaos Dwarves. Well, yeah. this is it. We've had we've got squats for Necromunda, squats for 40k. Do Chaos Dwarves and what's left? Plastic Thunderhawk. We've got one of them as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I just ha- I just have this feeling that, that that's what we're gonna get. Um, Especially with them, they were made to order a few months ago, um, and I think I said then, "Ooh, I wonder if that's the kind of signs that you know we might we might see plastic chaos um, dwarf soon." So yeah, I, that's what I'm putting my money on. I would absolutely be all over that. And then finally, Necromunda. Obviously, we've recently had the book of the Outlands with the squats and the. Um, the Ashwaste Nomads and the vehicle rules. Now, one of the things that was kind of missing from that book was a kind of a, I guess, a narrative campaign because that campaigny bit was in the, the the new core rule book for the Ashwastes. So I assume that we'll get the next House of Book of whatever they want to call it book covering stuff going on in the underworld. It'd be cool if they had a new gang. It wouldn't surprise me if this is like another campaign in there. And then stuff for every faction. So, for example, mm. maybe a couple of new plastic vehicles for other gangs. Maybe we'll see the big siege bug for the Ashwaste Nomads. Maybe mm. even a squat vehicle. Ooh. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. That's the vibe we get for this one. So, yeah, I'm super excited. Anything that you guys would like to see in this show? Ooh. I I would like to see the floating cop car that is inevitable for the enforcers. You know what? I would love to see that as well. That uh, that would really make my day. I'd like to see a non-KLC Warcraft faction. I'd like um, to see. You know what? I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna top that. I'd like to see the 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 box presumably is gonna have two KLC warbands in there. I'd like to see the other six warbands, assuming that there's eight again. All of them being non-chaos. Yeah. Yeah, for a bit of flavour, bit of variety. Mm. Yeah, it'd be cool to see like a Kanofi warband, wouldn't it? That would be interesting. Kanofi warband would be ace. A Seraphon warband out in the jungles with updated like Saurus models. There's lots of cool stuff they can do for Warcry. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So yeah, so some really exciting stuff. So now, Andy, you play Iron Warriors for... Horus Heresy, do you not? I do indeed. And you were saying not long ago on the show, you can't wait till they get their own heads and shoulder pads. Uh, yep, yep. I would love well, it if they did. Good news, Andy. There are shoulder pads and heads available for the new Mark VI Marines, and they look pretty, uh, pretty cool as well. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely going to be picking some of these up. Um, definitely for like veteran squads and. And stuff like that. Um, I think trying to do it for every single squad in my army might might get quite expensive quite quickly. Um, but yeah, it's super cool to to see the, the Iron Warriors get some some love with some uh, new heads and shoulder pads and stuff. And presumably, you know, as as time goes on, all the legions will get some love. But now that the Iron Warriors have got their love, that's all that matters. So exactly, <laughs> that is all that matters. 
insert, in, insert J quote about how Imperial Fists are better than Iron Warriors here, because I'm <laughs> sure he would be if he was here. Oh, you're outnumbered with uh, Heretics to Loyalists, aren't you today, Dave? Absolutely. Um, if you are a Horus Heresy fan, though, Warcom also dropped a, another great post with uh, Legacies of the Age of Darkness, which is a compendium that contains the rules for all the models not contained within the Age of Darkness books. So basically, the, 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 the Libra Astartes and the Libra Hereticus contain rules for models that you can currently buy right now. There's a lot of models that have either been discontinued or they never made models for. So it's a mm-hmm. big, I think it's like it's over a 100 page document with the rules for all that stuff. Anything that you could previously use in the previous edition of the game is in this as a free download. That includes your classic attack bikes. That includes your classic boxy dreadnoughts, your current Terminators that you can just buy in Games Workshop. Those rules are in there. All of the Legion specific stuff that's gone in there. It's really cool that they've done this. And again, there's no, you know, Legends thing where this isn't tournament legal. All of the rules for heresy, wherever they live, are perfectly legal for your games, which is really, really cool. Yeah, I like that. That's nice. It's a nice touch. Completely free as well. Yeah, and then alongside this, we've got the Exemplary Battles unit update. So in the run-up to heresy, every month or so, they put out a document with a bit of lore and background and some scenarios, but then also some profiles for some units. And they have also been put in here as well. So these are basically special variant style units that you can get for a lot of the legions now that um, while they weren't in that, again, the core Libra volumes, these are perfectly legal for your army. So really, really cool. And they're going to keep dropping these. I think every month they said they're going to be dropping more content like this. So, for example, the Sun Killers for the Emperor's Children, they're essentially a specialist heavy weapon squad, but they've got some special rules that represent the fact that they're, you know, I think it's five to 20 guys wielding plasma cannons or las cannons. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm absolutely going to be adding a unit of them to my Empress children. So, yeah, there's lots of cool stuff in there. Definitely, uh, definitely check it out. Now, we talked about Necromunda a little bit earlier about some new models. Um, there's some new models coming out to represent some profiles that we've had in books for a while now. And these, again, are models I'm going to have to pick up and add to my uh, gangs because they are beautiful. First, we've got the propagandist. He has a big stick with like three TVs on it and some big like loud hailers. And his job is to give speeches and kind of shout out propaganda and sway people to your cause. It can increase your gang's reputation and it can also make it easier to recruit new members to your uh, gang as he's spreading this uh, propaganda and the model is just beautiful i love it so much um he can be hired by any gang also whether you're um lawful outlaw unfortunately not an ashway nomad because um they've got some special rules about their hangers on if you are specifically a uh, a slightly naughtier outlaw gang you could also hire an agitator who um basically um spreads rumours and he's a bit of a troublemaker. A similar kind of role to the propagandist, but is unique to those uh, more sinister warbands. He's holding aloft an enforcer's helmet, and I assume that the enforcer's probably met an untimely demise to this guy with what looks like a medical syringe that he's got as well, which I'm fairly certain you don't want to be jabbed with. 
No, um, absolutely not. This is my favourite of the two models, and I think one of the reasons for that is that Enforcer helmet. Uh, due, due to this model, are you aligning your um, Orlocks with the bad guys then, Dave? So you can um, I want to see how the campaign pans out, I think, Matt. Oh, you're, you're hedging your bets. Yeah, yeah. See what options become available. Okay, okay, excellent. So, yeah, so these are both really, really cool. Hopefully, they're not too far out. Um, they tend to show up on pre-order not long after being previewed. So, I'll be getting these and painting them up because they look amazing. And then finally in the news, the Leagues of OTAN have had some news drip, drip, dripping every week. And today we saw some new models. The Iron Here Hearth Guard. <gasps> now, these these guys are in exo armor, which is the kind of squat equivalent of Terminator armor back in the day. Back in the classic squat models, they looked a bit more like uh, iron breakers, are they called? It's big, heavily armored squats, basically. These guys have taken that, kind of merged it with more of a Terminator look and a bit of a more sci-fi vibe to them. And I don't know. I maybe just because I am so like charmed by the old exosuit aesthetic. I don't know. You know what would make the difference for me if these had a clear dome piece that went over the head? Um, they they look like they are going to have optional heads, I think. So no, no, you might like, be able like to a do dome, that. like a dome that covered the entire head. So you see, they've uh, kind of got uh, the ring around it, like a, a clear, transparent dome that goes on the top uh, of it. It'd look amazing. Okay. Um, okay. I, I do like them though. They, 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 I like the cool like power sword things attached to their wrist. Um, what are they? Plasma swords or something, aren't they? And they've got yeah. uh, gravity enhanced hammers that uh, can smash people's head in. And they're all armed with Volkite weaponry, and everybody loves Volkites. Everybody hates Volkites. I, you're underselling these models, Matt. I think I absolutely adore these. If, oh man. I was when I've been sort of I've been thinking about all my painting projects that I've got coming and I've been thinking to myself, I really need to lock myself in. I'm not going to get distracted with any more projects. I wavered <laughs> just a tiny, tiny bit when I saw these models because the leagues of Photon so far have been very cool. And I was I was expecting to be more like, oh, wow, I need them. But I haven't been. And then I saw these models today and I did feel a little bit. of Oh, oh I, could, I could paint some of them. But no, I'm going to stay firm. But I'm not saying that at some point in the future I'm not going to be picking these up because I probably will be. Yeah, <laughs> even I'm super tempted by Leagues of Votan now just based on these models. I mean, I'm not a massive fan of a colour scheme. I think a different colour scheme could would look better. But, yeah, looking, looking at these guys, I was just like, wow. <laughs> mm. Wow. Yeah, it's good. It, I mean, it's, it's going to be difficult, isn't it? Because it's going to be a huge release. And looking at all the stuff that we've shown off so far, the, these guys are by far my favourite. I know the flying grav bike is, is looks pretty cool, but for me personally, these guys look, yeah, they're amazing. Yeah. They, they are growing on me looking at them, but I I think I prefer the look of the, the, the standard Votan that we've seen and the bike. I don't know. I think this armour could be chunkier to me. Maybe that's it. It could be chunkier. It's one now, of those where everybody's entitled to opinion, Matt, but yours but is wrong. I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, unfortunately, they do allude to that uh, they're not going to be this summer. 
If you read yeah, the small print that. in the article. So what you what you might be waiting a while for details of your own local vote and they can get a bit slow in the summer months. Yeah. So that to me suggests that may be a little bit further away. But that also means all that cool stuff that they're going to show off next Sunday is probably going to come fairly rapidly after they show it off. It tends to. I think we saw obviously we saw the original kill team start of August, I wanna say. Um it was very soon and after, I think we saw it? Yeah, I think we saw the Underworlds box last time pretty much immediately after they revealed it too. So that's good. We get a summer of course game games and then I suspect straight into the leagues of OTAN when we get into yeah. the uh, the autumn. So that's pretty exciting. So yeah, fairly uh, fairly chunky news section we've had today. Absolutely. Some awesome stuff there as well. I can't wait for the preview on Sunday. Uh, always worth hiding your wallets for that one because um, there could be some uh, some expensive purchases incoming. Right, we're going to let Matt grab a drink. Uh, we are then going to be coming back with all our latest projects. So, uh, yeah, keep listening. Every now and again on the podcast, we like to dedicate a main section to what we're kind of up to in the hobby ourselves. Obviously, we have a lot of review stuff and things like that, but we also have our own personal projects and goals for those projects to be completed by. So um, we've got quite a few coming up. So we decided uh, to chat about that this week. Um Needless to say, guys, we're going to be very busy for the rest of this year, aren't we? I think we are. (laughs) And and really, this only takes us to, what, October? Yeah, yeah. So um, without further ado, let's talk about, um, well, the soonest thing that's going to be happening. Um, And this has been a long time coming, especially for for Matt and also for me. Um, But now we can really fully get on board with all this because we've got Matt and Jay joining us. And that is the start of our first Necromunda campaign. Yeah, so so me me and Dave have been into Necromunda for ages, and we've been trying to get the the buy-in from the guys for a big Necromunda campaign. I think with Ash Wastes, it's offered the opportunity to kind of like start a new campaign, hasn't it? There's there's stuff that appeals to different people. You've got all the vehicle elements. You can still mix in some Zone Mortalis stuff to have a variety of different gaming environments, but also two brand new gangs as well with the Ash Waste Nomads. And the squat prospectors. Um, and I think Jay fell in love with those squats as soon as he saw them. So yeah. uh, we find, and Jay's been kind of, I don't know, maybe he's not felt Necromunda in the past, but he saw these, uh, which, which which was enough to convince him to play a game. And we always said, as soon as Jay plays a game of Necromunda, <laughs> it'll be his favourite game. And yeah, yeah he, had a, he had a practice game the other night where I was kind of like talking him and Lee through the rules and uh yeah they both fell in love with the game so uh so yeah we've got a nice little group so i will be arbitrating it and i want to have it a nice narrative going on with some little twists and tricks and stuff going on it'll be mostly kind of vanilla ash waste campaign out of the new ash waste book but i will be integrating some of the stuff that we've seen in other campaign systems as well and have some surprises and stuff because that's got to be done so mm. Obviously, Jay will be using his squats. Lee will be bringing his um, his House of Shadow. Delac. Uh, the Delac, yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool. Now, Dave, what are you thinking of bringing for this? You mentioned your, uh, your orcs earlier in the show. Yeah, so I'm going to be bringing the Unchained Pistons, Matt. This is a gang of Orlocks. 
Um, I've, I, I mean, I've been, I've liked the Orlocks since they came out, but I finally got my gang together. I've got them built, I've got them sprayed, and we'll try and get as many painted before we uh, commence the campaign this coming week. Um, and yeah, I mean, would you like me to take you? Through, would you like me to take you through? Through? Yes, please. That sounds, that sounds amazing, Dave. Let, let me go through. So. My gang is led up by Rufus. He is the road captain, so he fills the leader position in an Ekromoda gang. He is armed with mesh armour. He's got a power maul, a.k.a. a massive wrench, and he's also got a plasma pistol. We've also then got Torque. He is a road sergeant, so he fills the champion role. He is armed with a grenade launcher because grenades are awesome in Necromunda, uh, and he is wearing mesh armour as well. Nice. We then have Harry the Hammer. He is my arms master, so he's also a champion. He is also wearing mesh armor. He is armed with a big two-handed hammer, but he's also armed with a stub gun, just in case he does need to shoot something. We then have Tanya, who is a little bit inspired by... Uh, I don't know if you guys ever played Red Alert. Come on, Conquer Red Alert. A long time ago, Dave. A long time no. ago. <laughs> there was a, a secret agent that you could have, like a spy called Tanya, and she was like... Uh, She's, I can't remember any of her sound quips now. Should have, should have researched that before the podcast. But anyway, she is my wrecker. Uh, so she's one of the ones with like the jump packs. Uh, she's got a stub gun, a fighting knife, and she's also equipped with a demo charge because I wanted something that was going to pop open some vehicles. And how cool would it be for somebody with a jump pack to jump onto some vehicles, attach a demo pack, and blow it up? So it's very uh, Django Fett, isn't it? Yeah, good, definitely doing that. Uh, we then have Bert. He is my first gunner, so he fills the ganger role. He's armed with flak armor and an auto gun. His best mate, Ernie, is uh, tagging along. He's also a gunner, also uh, a ganger. He is equipped the same way, apart from he also has a fighting knife because I had the points. We then move on to my Jews, starting with Bullet Bill. He is armed with <laughs> he is armed with flak armor, an auto pistol, a stub gun, and a fighting knife. So he's got two pistols for extra poo poo. Uh, and then we have Mad Doc Maddox. He is my last juve. He is also wearing flak armor. He also has an auto pistol. And because I had the points and it looks really cool, he's also got a chainsaw. And then to finish off my gang, I've got a medic in the shape of Dee Dee, or her real name is Dr. Doris. Uh, and that Doris. is bang on 1,000 credits. Um, so that's my main gang. I'm also going to be running, because we're running an Ash Waste campaign, I've also got a Rock Grinder. Uh, that's going to be equipped with a heavy flamer because that's what my vehicle has. Uh, and it's also going to be ridden by an Orlock crew. Uh, and I think that's pretty much bang on 400 points, which is what we're allocated for vehicles. So I am super excited to see how these guys get on in the Ash Waste. That's really cool. Is one of you, you're upgrading one of your gangers to a specialist. You get it for free and they get access to more weapons and a skill as well. But oh, well. Is it going to be Bert or Ernie? That's the question. Uh, <laughs> oh, does it have to go on a ganger, does it? So, so a ganger can be upgraded to a specialist, yeah. Okay, so I don't know. Yeah, it's going to have to be between Bert and Ernie. Ernie's got a fighting knife, so maybe Bert deserves the specialist. I don't know. We'll decide. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, that sounds really cool, Dave. Uh, I take it you're, you're excited for this. Very excited. Um, I've not actually used the Orlocks yet because when we played previously, Matt, I used my Goliaths, mm. uh, but my heart was never really set on those. Um, they were really set on getting the Orlocks on the board. So, yeah, really looking forward to my first game with them, whoever that may be against. Yeah, wow, well, this, this is it. Um, so, Andy, what are you thinking of bringing? So, I'm thinking of bringing some um, Enforcers. 
Um, <clears throat> when we had the 40k doubles, I was kind of up and arm between the Palatine Enforcers and the Vansar, and it was only because we started watching Bad Boys for Life on the TV <laughs> in the hotel room, but I decided on the Palatine Enforcers. I think we, I think we, I think we were just flicking through the TV, and then we just turned to each other and we were like, "Yes, Andy, do the enforcers." Yeah. Bad boys themed. Bad boys themed. So it's gonna be. Um, I haven't named everyone, and I haven't worked out my gang and everything like that, but um, it's gonna be Squad BB for L. <laughs> Bad boys for life. Is gonna? Yeah, I'm gonna have like um. Uh, I, I was looking at the either the Ridge Runner. Um, and putting like um, a little siren on top um, and, and using that as sort of like my vehicle but looking at the uh, rock grinder as well that kind of looks more like um, like an armoured truck that police would use as well yeah like a riot kind of van thing yeah kind of like that so my thought fact, is you know what you can build it as the transport like flatbed, flatbed version so your guys can like ride in the back of it and then all pile out with their um Riot shields. Yeah, that, that, that's basically what I'm thinking. I mean, looking at the box, um, I know there's a there's a sniper rifle, so I definitely want one of those. I think if you're going to be playing in the Ash Race, then having a sniper rifle hopefully should come in quite handy. Um, but then yeah, having a couple of guys with riot shields, you know, it, you're still going to be going into hab, um, sort of like the buildings, the hab blocks or you know these sort of things so you're going to want a couple of guys with breach shields and then um yeah i noticed that you can actually buy a dog a mechanical dog <laughs> for the palatine forces as well which i think would be quite helpful in the ashways for um sort of tracking down um i'm using air quotes here prey um prey okay and um dealing out judgment so yeah i'm i'm like I said, it's all sort of still in the design phase for me, but yeah, the pa- Palantine forces, I'm getting super excited about them. If you start your gang with a dog and Matt doesn't give you any grief, there's going to be words. Depends <laughs> <laughs> how many points this dog is. If it's 100 credits, I might advise against it. If it's cheap, then yeah, if it's cheap and cheerful. <laughs> yeah. It's a tenth of your gang. Um, I'd, I'd like to have at least one. I think there's um, a rookie you can have in in um, the Palatine forces so yeah i'm definitely going to have at least one rookie who's hopefully going to rise up through the ranks and not not get killed in this in this first game yeah the, the cool thing about necromancy if you have your juves and the like they're really leading stars they start off with fairly rubbish stats but because they level up so quickly better than the gangers really kind of want to maximize your, your your juves to get all the kind of experience upgrades and stuff on them and you've got a cool story then if you guy kind of evolving. That's I think that's the fun thing about Necromunder, the kind of like narrative element to it. So obviously as arbitrator, I'll, I'll be throwing in a gang, the uh, the Ashwaste Nomads, just so we've got an even number of like uh, main gangs in action. So I've I've got a variety of stuff, including Bortak, my chieftain, known <laughs> to the locals as June Claw, Kafkatan, my champion. He's a watcher. He's known as Scorpex Sting. They've all got similar names. He's got a rocket launcher. His job is to pop open those uh, vehicles that you'd be driving towards him, or at least cause them to flip and whoever's inside them to die horrifically. That's a vehicle died with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mushtar is my stormcaller. He's got the stormcaller staff, so he can control the weather and make sandstorms, limiting visibility. So while you say your sniper rifle might be useful, 
to to paraphrase Wanda out of their uh, multiverse of madness, what what eyes if you can't see? Um, and then yeah, we've got some dust riders in there. We've got some a lot of juves in there. I've gone very juve heavy because I thought cheap bodies. We're talking like maximum of fifty credits a guy, just so I've got a, a decent assortment of guys that can uh, can head out into the waste and hopefully cause you guys some grief. So that's my main kind of gang. But as arbitrator, I've got some other sneaky tools in in store as well. Um, well I, I've been sending you Vox transmissions from um, from uh, the, the the Hive City, and the Lord Helmore is. Um, summoned you all to a council on Thursday where we'll find the, the lay of the land and everything so that's super exciting I'm planning on having lots of handouts and interactive stuff and a big I'm thinking doing it on the website spruceandbruce.com having a big map where you can track who's got control of certain areas and that'll that's obviously cool. change over the, the course of the campaign because you can do this where each kind of period of the campaign for like a week or two but just because you know we're at the point now where we've got real lives and it's a little bit more difficult to book in a game this is going to be more of a long form one isn't it where each yeah. period is going to be a month and that basically means that over the course of the next seven months we've got to try and get in a game of necromunda uh, or challenge somebody to a battle of necromunda each once a month which i think is more achievable than trying to squeeze yeah. it in isn't it absolutely um, yeah now that doesn't mean you're only going to play one game because obviously everybody has to challenge somebody once a month. So Jay could challenge Dave, but equally Dave could challenge Jay, and they have two games within that month. That's so it cool. should it should work out that everybody gets a game against everybody. But um, there there is rules in place that if somebody's already had a challenge, you can't fight them again until everybody's had one. So on average, you'll probably get two games of Necromunda in a month, which is cool. Um, so yeah, and, and I've also picked up a uh, a cargo eight ridge hauler that I'm going to build up because that might be the objective in some scenarios as well, and maybe an entourage of bounty hunters that the Guild of Coin has employed in order to, to protect their assets. And there's rumours of some kind of trade dispute with Lord Helmore, and uh, maybe he's put a mark to get these killed. So yeah, we'll have to see how that plays out. But yeah, I'm super excited to start it and hope you guys have fun as your first kind of like full Necromunda campaign. Yeah, really looking forward to it. Just touching, you mentioned that you went quite juve heavy, Matt. I was tempted to do the same, but what put me off was um, my juves, I don't know what your guys can be equipped with, but they can only be armed with uh, melee weapons and pistols. I wanted a bit of range, so it kind of, uh, I thought I'd best include a couple of gangers or a couple of auto guns, so I've got a little bit of range as well. Yeah, exactly. That's 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 kind of what you want to go for. You take your leader, you take a couple of champions, take a number of juves because they're going to be level up quicker. But then you want to take a couple of gangers because a they've got better stats off, off the, at the start. And in all gangs, pretty sure all gangs, one ganger can be upgraded to a specialist, and they can take more weapons that even gangers can't take, similar to the stuff that champions can take. And they get a skill when they start as well. It doesn't cost you anything to do that, so it's always worth taking at least one ganger to make into a specialist. Absolutely. So that's... um, We're kicking that off uh, this Thursday with a bit of a... I think you called it, like, episode zero or something, Matt? Yeah, episode zero. Basically, we, we work out what everyone's got. The guys who haven't written their gangs yet get an opportunity to do that. Uh, you can get the, the lay of the land from Lord Helmore and we'll allocate the starting 
kind of territories and issue the first month's challenges as well. Ace, ace, cannot, cannot wait for that. Should be a lot of fun. Um, so that's kind of like the, the first kind of project we've got that's that's starting pretty soon. Um, but that's not that's not the only one. So the next one's a pretty big one, and and I'm telling you right now, as soon as my old locks are finished, um, I'm going to be spending quite a few weeks on this. So in October. The four of us will be attending an event at Warhammer World. It is a Warhammer Age of Sigmar event, and it is entitled Path to Glory, Conquest of the Savage Lands, uh, which is a narrative event if the Path to Glory hadn't given it away. Um, and we're each going to be representing a different uh, Grand Alliance, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. So interestingly, the tickets for this one, there was, there was tickets available for each of those Grand Alliances. So in theory... There should be an equal split of people per faction and maybe different stuff happening per faction as well, which would be cool. I think that I didn't even think of that. You know, when when I originally saw the event pack, I didn't even think about how they were going to balance out. Because uh, imagine turning up and being the only guy with a destruction army. Probably not yeah. going to happen, but um, that would kind of ruin the flow of the narrative. At least the event team have got more of a control over how the, the narrative is going to play out if you've got an equal number of players in each alliance. Yeah, exactly. It's um, it's quite fun that because they can write in some faction specific stuff to be happening throughout the weekend too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I think we're all pretty much locked in on what we're going to take already. Um, Andy, what are, what are you tempted to take with you? Um, well, you say we're locked in. Um, <laughs> I'm locked into a grand alliance. Um, okay. but looking at so I'm going to be taking destruction. Uh, that's kind of my thing. Um, but in terms of sort of like what I'm going to go for, we we know we're getting two destruction battle tomes in probably the next couple of months, which hopefully will be ogres. So I'm very tempted to take my ogres for that. But until the battle tome sort of comes out, I'm I'm kind of um and on about how I want to go with the ogres um i mean one of the big things that you can do at the event is obviously have like a a hero with uh, the anvil of apotheosis so yeah i guess before we before we move on maybe worth explaining how how this works so technically technically it's a three-day event now, the friday is optional but it starts off with 600 point battles then moves up to thousand point battles on the start of the saturday then one and a half thousand points, then two thousand points, and all the elements from your six hundred point force has to be included in your two thousand point one. Basically, the army grows over the course of the weekend. Now, it's encouraged to have a general who improves over the course of the weekend. So, if you've got um, path to glory rules for your army, such as the um, war boss for the orcs, you could choose maybe when you get to the games on the Sunday to upgrade him to be riding a more crusher or alternatively you can create characters using the anvil of apotheosis and the events team have put different like thresholds of points that you can spend on them obviously you times that by 10 to convert it into a proper points value and you're going to buy it as part of your army but um i think all of us pretty much agreed it'd be cool to not use any special characters at all have our general as a as a created anvil of apotheosis hero and try and craft a story over the course of the weekend yeah i mean 
for me, Path to Glory, like name characters already have their narrative kind of written into them, the legends already there. Um, and yeah, for me personally, I, 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 I mean, ogres don't have any name characters, but um, yeah, I, I don't think I'd want to to use them. But yeah, yeah, I'm I'm looking at ogres because I've got um, a lot of gutbuster ogres painted up already. So I feel like the the work um, that's needed to to finish that off and round that off for a Path to Glory event will be a lot less than um, you know like Gits and Cruel Boys and and stuff like that. But then tying it into one of my hobby resolutions, which is paint the entire Dominion set. You know, I've got a lot of cruel boys for that, and mm. it'd be pretty cruel. Pretty cool. Pretty cruel. Oh dear, that was a terrible pun. Uh, it'd be pretty cool to have like a, a killer boss uh, on foot, and then you know maybe upgrade him to uh, a killer boss on Nash Tooth, and then maybe a vulture towards the end of the weekend. Mm. You know, something along those lines. Um, so I'm, I'm, I've, I've got a couple of ideas floating around in my head. Um, but like I said, until we've got sort of like this Necromunda um, stuff sorted, um, I, I, it's all kind of flowing around in my head. And like I said, once the, we've got like the destruction battle terms in our hands and stuff like that, I'll be able to to really sort of uh, finalise it and stuff. But alternatively, there's uh, Gloomspike Gits as well. Um, so I bought a load of Gloomspike Gits stuff off Jay ugh, a couple of years ago now. Um, but I've painted up squigs. Um, I'd love to have like a loom boss on squig and then, you know, maybe level him up so that he, he eventually gets um, mangler squigs and, you know, come up with narrative and name the mangler squigs and, you know, that sort of stuff. And I mean, I've got, um, you know, Sons of Bear Mat on me, so I can always throw in a giant or, you know, something along those lines just to sort of fill up points if if I really get you know desperate in time if i decide to go for gloom spike kits and stuff um but yeah i i think i'm gonna go with the ogres um i think i'm gonna lean into that but at the minute like i said i'm uh, i'm not quite sure how i want to go with them you've got a lot of options there an awful lot of options i i'd actually really like to see you with a gloom spike army because i know you've been tempted by that for some time um especially with a lot of squigs yeah i Squigs are, are one of those things that are super cool and super funny and they would be super cool to do, especially from like a narrative point of view. I think they brought out um, rules for like a fun guy cave shaman and a white dwarf a couple of um, months ago. You know, it'd be cool to, to do a fun guy cave shaman on a squig with uh, like the anvil of apotheosis and stuff. And then you really fill out all the gaps um with with the squigs because you don't have any wizards if you go pure squigs so no. yeah that that would be cool excellent uh what about you matt what what are you tempted by well i'm, I'm not even tempted i've locked in completely locked in <laughs> i am representing the death faction and my night haunt will be uh making the path to glory uh and i you know, there's a, there's a lot of cool horror movie vibes in some of the Death Armies. But what we've not seen done in, like, Warhammer form is um, the classic spooky... Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen, seen Ring, the Japanese horror film with uh, Sadako Yamamura, who comes out of a well and crawls out of TV, terrifying stuff. Uh, and I was very much inspired to recreate this in Warhammer form. 
So I've got my completely copywriter infringing Sadako. She'll probably get a more Warhammerized name by the time she starts. But I've come with a bit of lore for her. Essentially, she drowned her child in a well. And as such, when she was killed, Nagash has got a sense of humor and tends to punish people with the crimes that they have done in their life to relive in their death. So she's been sealed within this well. And over the, the centuries, she's getting more kind of vengeful and angry towards Nagash. And she wants to um, basically get her revenge. So she starts the weekend as, as, as Sadako, the malignant, who... Um, She's in a well. At this time, she can't kind of fly yet. She's just crawling out. Her level two kind of character for the thousand point games is Sadako the Cursed. She's now got the ability to fly. She's also got the uh, the Scream of Sorrows, which is a, a, a terrifying shriek that can stop the hearts of the people that hear it. In game mm. terms, that's a bow. <laughs> okay. Um, and she's got the touch of cold, which again, she she can, if she touches somebody, their heart will stop and they'll die on the spot. That is represented by her being unarmed. Any um, hits of six automatically wound, I want to say. That sounds so, good. So yes, so so basically for, for both um, the, the the level one and level two version of her, I am going to sculpt a well out of green stuff and then have Sadako crawling out of it using the majority of the scriptum mortis the scriptum mortis got a really cool hunchback and then the arms are kind of like writing in his book so by just modifying the hands a little bit re-angling the body and then giving it like a long i say tail but you know ethereal kind of like body leading into the well which will be then like black down the bottom of it and filled with um kind of fake water it will look like this thing is crawling out of the well for the kind of like level one and two kind of version of it that sounds so cool <laughs> yeah so going up to level three and four and i don't know if there's gonna be two models yet time constraints so I, I want to do it as two and have this thing getting bigger and more powerful over the weekend so at level three it becomes sadako the unleashed it's escaped from its well it can now fly and it is a lot more deadly it has all the abilities that it had above it's got the mounted beast upgrade which will basically represent the fact that this thing is now faster, it can move faster, it's got more wounds, it's got more attacks with its more... Um, Model-wise, I'm thinking it's going to be heavily based on the uh, Morn Gull. So it's got that big nasty mouth, the big kind of, again, big weird long arms that'll be clawing. There's a piece of Japanese artwork of some supernatural creatures of what look like kind of like a woman's head and arms with a big long spooky tail so this thing is going to be like twisted around a tree and then the tail will turn into like ethereal magic because the entirety of the night haunt range doesn't have any feet so i couldn't have a model that had like a, a lower body so it has to kind of transition into a ghosty bit to keep it kind of like i guess the same aesthetics as the rest of the range uh this thing's also got regenerated as well to represent the fact that she's building her power and then finally, the level four version, Sadako the Unbound, is uh, same again. I changed the mounted beast for a gargantuan beast, mostly for the attack upgrades on the mount, which again represents her mouth and claws and stuff. Um, it still regenerates. And it's also got um, a, a kind of crashing spirits. It's got a big wave of spirits around it that lash out and attack it, um, her victims. And that will use the rules for a tail for a gargantuan beast 
and the, I guess the the thing I'm trying to get to here, while you've got some fairly generic things on the anvil of apotheosis, with some imagination, you can make them apply to anything you like. You know, yeah. a bow, a bow could be a warp stone shotgun, mm. for example. You know, it's just, it's just a profile. It does something. Um, so yeah, and then that the level four version. Obviously, keeping with the kind of Japanese theme, but with a Warhammer twist. I wanted a, I, I kind of pictured this thing standing atop of a Tory gate. You know, the big kind of like uh, Japanese gates that they have. Yeah. Now, the closest thing to that in Warhammer is the top of the uh, Luminous Shrine. It's got that kind yeah. of gate aesthetic. So this thing's perched on the top of that. And then we'll have like, you know, the bit in Doctor Strange where he's got the kind of like cloak of spirits around him. That kind of vibe behind it. Yeah, that that would look absolutely fantastic. Yeah, that that would look really really good. Um, I was, as soon as you were kind of describing what you were looking at, I instantly thought of that Lumineff shrine. It's absolutely perfect for what you want. Yeah, it really is. It really is. So, obviously, we have these on a number of different bases. I picked up the script of Mortis. I need to pick up a. I'm going to try and build the the, the the one atop a shrine first, and then work out the scale to get the middle one in. Because I'd like to have a different model for each kind of like part of her progression because i think that'd be cool yeah it would. Uh, so yeah and really for this i kind of came up with the, the 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 theme for the character first hashed out some rules using the anvil and then we'll convert to fit the theme of the the rules that i've created so that's really this this whole weekend for me is going to be an exercise in just making some cool lore for this uh, character <laughs> i've got an idea that obviously she needs to grow power over the course of the weekend so i'm thinking that potentially She's she's looking for various trinkets from her past, and as she gathers them, she starts moving up through these different ranks and getting more powerful. Um, I also thought, if we're going to lean into the ring vibe, then why not go all out? And what I might do is have curse cards that are passed to my opponents, and in uh. seven days, if they don't um, if they don't uh, get rid of the curse, they'll be cursed to rolling double ones for the charges for the rest of their life. I think I mentioned this last week. And that maybe naturally over the course of the weekend, they pass this to someone else and just see how that goes. It might not work, but it'd be quite fun if these ended up like somewhere completely different over the course of the weekend. Mm-hmm. And then finally, for my army list, I want to do like a, a, an arcane tome that's all chained up with a padlock on the front that my, you know, victim, if they so wish, can unlock and have a look within its uh, pages and have like the war scrolls for each variation of it in there and maybe have like maybe at the end of day one i add in some more information on what's happened and have a bit of an evolving story then i've got that as a little keepsake at the end of the event yeah that that, that sounds mint matt i love how much thought you've put into this already like only just only just secured our tickets and you're uh fully fully on with the law i mean i I absolutely want to. So I'm, I'm. Let's talk about what I'm taking. So I will be representing chaos. Out of everybody on this podcast, I wouldn't expect myself to be representing chaos, and uh, not with you and Andy uh, in the team. But there you go. I'll be representing chaos with the Skaven. Um, you guys have been listening to us like for 192 episodes. I've been going on about how what a Skaven army. This is it. I'm locked in. I've got to have a Skaven army done for October. Um, so. Um, I haven't really come up with a lot of lore for my guys yet. I've been I've been toying between the anvil and just the the, the basic progression of my general because I really wanted my um, warlord to be a Gracier, um and then obviously he would just obviously as we acute points get mounted onto the screaming bell. But the idea of using the anvil is is really tempting. But 
I don't know quite how I would do it. Now, we mentioned at the top of the podcast, we've got this uh, plague priest, the, the, the old named character coming with where he's mounted on a rat. That's a very tempting idea to maybe have him as a claw lord and have him as my warlord. And then obviously getting this mount as the game progresses. Um, I've also thought of maybe um, using the Fanquil model as instead of using him as Fanquil, using him as a grace here that's kind of getting better over the campaign. Um, but I'm not sure yet. I need to um, reread all the Path to Glory stuff, reread all the Anvil stuff um, before making um, a judgment on, on what I'm going to do. Because um, I really want a Screaming Bell in my army. Um, and I really fancy the Grace here as my, as my leader. Um, but yeah, f- for me, obviously, the biggest thing is, is getting all these rats painted. I have obviously made a start on them. Um, I, I was painting them a few months ago. Um, but I'm looking forward to kind of getting my all locks done and then going all in on these. Um, I like your idea, Matt, of having something for your opponent to take away. I think that's definitely something I want to look into. But I'm not sure how to present my army list. Uh, the idea of a, a chain book is really cool for the Nighthorn. I don't really know, because you've always got like Warpstone and stuff, but I don't know how I could, I don't know. Well, you could always do like um, um, a scroll, couldn't you? That's been written... Network. But written by like a, a free guild soldier describing your army because the whole thing with Skaven back in kind of like the world that was was that um, a large portion of the old world didn't believe they existed um, mm-hmm. and so on the rare sites that they were seen um, people would document the sightings um, to, to let people know so you could always do like um, a scroll of your army list written down on it and then just stain it in coffee stains and you know like dry it out and so it looks like a a parchment sort of thing um yeah and and do something like that you could easily go to a pet shop dave and get some green little kind of like glass things you know put in fish tanks have Mm. a bag of them as warpstone chunks that you could you know distribute over the course of the weekend yeah well um I've got some warpstone dice already to represent like my sparks, um, so that's that's really cool. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna put a lot of thought into my looks. We really, you know, we really want to delve into the path, the path to glory element of um, of this event, uh, and I, I'm so looking forward to it, guys. It's gonna be so much fun. Um, yeah, really I can't excited. wait to see what the events team have got planned for us. <laughs> Um, he's not here, but um, Jay will be attending also. If you hadn't have guessed yet, with Andy going destruction, Matt going death, and me going chaos, that leaves Jay with order. Um, I believe he's currently tempted to start a new Sylvaneff army. Um, he has already got one. I think well, it was his first Age of Sigmar army. So I think he's he's contemplating starting a, a new look Sylvaneff army. Um, failing that, he might lean back into his Lumineff. Um, either way. They're going to have pointy ears uh, and he's going to be representing order. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure he's really excited for it as well. So, yeah, so as part of this, what we want to do is kind of chronicle the progress of our armies on the website as well. So I think we're going to put together a page where we you know, we have a page each and we just update it periodically as we start converting up these models and writing the law. I'd kind of like to have the whole like history and backstory of my characters on there as well. Yeah. Absolutely, definitely. Uh, now, um, there is another event that we're going to uh, touch upon. Unfortunately, I won't be attending this, but you guys will be. Um, this one is instead going to be set in Warhammer 40k, and it's the Rising Tomb. Matt, do you want to tell us a bit more about this? 
so yeah this is this is the the next um crusade event at, um warhammer world we went to the escape from pancalis event and it was amazing and uh yeah me and andy were like as soon as these tickets went on sale we're like refreshing the website to get them um and yeah, interestingly i believe this has now been renamed an event right to rising tomb part one so who knows maybe there's a part two coming at some point that'd be cool but uh yeah details are scarce on this now i think um perhaps closer to the event we see a drip of some more details but i believe it is from from looking at the pack and stuff it looks like it may be set on a necron tomb world various factions exploring it to see what's going on maybe something nasty awakens on it who knows i mean last time we stumbled into a gene stealer cult uprising and got horrifically infected so who knows what uh, kind of lies for us in the future now where with the path to glory I'm very much settled on what I'm taking because obviously there's a lot of conversion work and writing stuff. For this one, I'm torn. I don't know whether to take a word bearer's force from the Chaos Space Marines. I don't know whether to take the Death Core of Krieg because I'm hoping by then the new Astra Militarum book might be out then. Timing might be off if it is brilliant. Uh, and I just think Astra Militarum... Uh, Death Corps of Krieg or an unusual army that you don't see often, so it's quite nice to take something a bit more obscure. But then the other possibility is the Necrons. If they're going to be the main like antagonist of this storyline, it'd be cool to play them. So, yeah, I'm, I'm torn. At the minute, I'm like 60% Death Corps, 30% Word Bearers, 10% Necrons, but those ratios could shift over the next uh, month or so. Um, how about you, Andy? Um, yeah, oh, wow, where do I begin? Um, so, I'm probably most likely going to be taking my Chaos Knights, just because I've got them built and painted, and then I don't have to worry about them. And it'd be cool to play the Chaos Knights in an environment that isn't match play. Um, so I'm, be- I'm very tempted to take them and and sort of like flush them out and and go with them, because um, looking at the sort of like crusade mechanic with them, having them go through like different levels of damnations and mm-hmm. get upgrades and stuff like that, you know, I think that that's super cool. Um, but then looking at crusade uh, again because it's like rising tombs you got Necrons and obviously Necrons, you know, come from tomb worlds. And I remember, I think it was in the, um, Oh, uh, not psychic awakening books. One of the books leading up to eighth edition, um, the fall of Cadia, right. I think it was. Oh, fall of Cadia. Okay. He had, um, Belisarius call. He was basically, um, doing archeology span and looking at like dig sites and stuff like that. Um, so I, I I quite like the idea of doing like a small admech force that could be sort of like investigating the Necrons because they want to sort of like learn from them and research them and, and sort of like implement the technology into their own. So I think that'd be quite cool. Like an but, exploratory uh, force, that'd be cool. Yeah, that, that sort of idea. Um, but looking at it, I'm like, uh, money-wise, that's quite expensive to do. The Chaos Knights are already built and painted. And that gives me some more time to work on like Necromunda and the Plath to Glory stuff. So I'm kind of torn. I mean, I'd love to do Night Lords as kind of like a um, uh, sort of like a guerrilla warfare style 
Night Lords yeah. Force to take to the event. So, you know, a couple of units of Raptors, a couple of units of Warp Talons, maybe, you know, a small squad just for, you know, holding objectives and then have like some um, redempt, not redemptors, or not, um, Hell Brutes and stuff like that sort of mixed in um, and really go for that sort of like terror tactic sort of aspect of the Night Lords where, you know, you're not necessarily trying to wipe them all out. You're just trying to get people to run away and, you know, that sort of stuff. So I think that could be quite cool. Um, same with like word bearers and, and, you know, going for like a demonic ritual sort of force where you've got, you know, loads of possessed and, you know, you could have objective markers that are kind of like the demon host models from mm-hmm. demon hunters back in the day where, you know, the, the word bearers are trying to summon these demons into reality and, you know, sort of this, this sort of stuff. So, I've got a lot of ideas for a crusade event, which is really annoying because it's the closest event that we've got. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm kind of looking at the Chaos Knights and thinking the Chaos Knights are done. You know, I know how to play them. I've, you know, we've been to an event, we've played a couple of games with them. I'm familiar with them. And, you know, it, it saves me some pennies that I can divert to uh, Necromunda and Path to Glory. So, I'm kind of up in the air um, with the Crusade event, but I, what I want to do, and as silly as this sounds, I want to focus on one project and just get it down and really put a lot of time and effort into it because I feel like with these Crusade events, you're not building 2,000-point armies. You're building quite smaller armies by comparison, and yeah, you can really go to town on it. Jumping in there, the, the event pack on this one's quite interesting in that you start with a 50 power force and by the end of the weekend you can be up to 75 power so that's quite a nice opportunity to include some different units that you can add to your army over the weekend similar to the way the um, the path to glories ones work in uh, the difference being is that because there's no like fixed points thresholds um it's really going to depend on what your, your opponent's done as well so if game one i'm 50 power and then spend all the glory in the world to get up to 75 power game two if andy's also got a 75 power game we can both play at that but then game three i might be playing against someone who's only got 60 so you sh- it should be nice to have a a range of different size battles over the course of the weekend using that you know units drawn from your roster yeah yeah definitely i mean like i said i've, I've got a couple of ideas it's just kind of deciding how much money and time I want to put into it because I'm, I'm also doing my hobby resolution list and there's a couple that I feel like I really have to dedicate some time to because I'm otherwise I'm just not going to get it done. Um, but yeah, looking at the, the crusade event and the path to glory event specifically, I really want to, I really want to take my time and really do a, a good job on, on the projects. And even if I have them as like little one-off projects, um, I mean, you mentioned with the crusade event, it's gone up on Eventbrite as part one. And for mm-hmm. me, that would be super cool to do like a small force for the Crusade event that I wouldn't normally do. You know, like even a Drukari force would be cool as like a raiding force. And, you know, they're, they're trying to gather as many trophies as they possible, you know, and, and stuff like that as just like a one off for, for these events. Um so, yeah, I, I think over the next week or two, I'm going to have to make some very difficult decisions and really uh, 
jump into it one way or the other. Yeah. Mm. Well, one thing that's certain, like with the Path to Glory, I want to go all out and name all my characters and write some background for them and have a, a yeah. purpose for them being there. So hopefully we learn a little bit more about kind of the storyline on the path up to it and then kind of tailor the story around that. I think that'd be cool. And equally, like if it, the, the fact that it's called part one alludes to the fact that there might be a part two. And yeah. then you've got some cool stuff. Do you use the same factions part two? I mean, the events team might have rules for carrying over the progress or do you maybe uh, use a faction that defeats them say if you got completely devastated in game five for the next event you come with a force representing the the strike force that took them out or something as a bit yeah. of kind of like the other side of the story well this is it isn't it, it that, that's what crusade's all about isn't it it's, it's about the story and for me you know using like the the ad mech for example you know, over the course of campaign, you could have it that your general gets so many battle scars that by the end of it, that they die. So that, you know, part two, I could do an ad mech force, but paint up some more units, paint up a new general character for the army. But a lot of the units will, you know, be the same. So it's kind of up to you as how far you want to go to it. But I mean, for the um, doubles event, you did uh, an army list, didn't you, Matt? And you wrote a bit of mm. narrative for each of your knights. And that's the sort of level that I, I'd like to go to as well. Yeah, I thought, well, we're, we're playing knights, weren't we? So it was a relatively small army list. And I thought, you know what? Let's name these and have a bit of a story about them. And then if I do choose to use them in a crusade or something in the future, I've got the framework then of the history of my army. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Excellent. I, I wish I was going to this event. I know uh, I'm not, but if I was, I'd be 110% taking the sisters uh, of battle um, because they're, they're another army like the Skaven that I really want to get finished. And it would have been a really good event to, to, to get them ready for. Although realistically, I know me, I wouldn't be able to do the Skaven and sisters <laughs> uh, to, to get them ready because when's the Crusade event? The Crusade event is the 3rd of September. Yeah, so there's there's no way I'd be able to get a sister's army and a Skaven army done for September and October. Not a chance. Um, now, obviously, they're the three main events that are coming up. But, Matt, you also have a, a couple that I think you might be attending with Jay, at least one of them. Yeah, so I guess I'll talk about the one that I'm, I'm going by Billy No Mates first. And that's the uh, the Tempest of War, Throne of Skulls, on the 20th of August. So this is your classic um a soft scoring tournament the throne of schools where there's as much pointing on sportsmanship and painting as there is actually winning games of warhammer and throne of schools is re- really my favorite kind of like format of event um up until uh escape from Pancalis, which may have uh kind of nipped ahead in the in the rankings but yeah generally we always try and go to these throne scores and unfortunately that you guys weren't free this uh this weekend for it and again i'm torn here i'm torn i don't know whether to take the um the chaos space mode obviously the codex came out recently and um i've been working on some word bearers over the course of the year basically when we've um had like you know i, I started with a uh start collecting box and then as the various other Chaos Space Marine releases have come out over this course of the year, which we've you know been very lucky to get from Warcom. I painted them up in um, kind of uh, word bearer colours too. So I forget what it was called. We had the 
battle box against the Eldar and then the kill team set. So there's been a steady stream of word bearers that I've been painting up over the year. And I think it'd be quite nice to use them for an event because they haven't really had an outing yet. So they may go to there. Equally, it could be the Death Corps Krieg. Basically, whatever army I don't use for the Path to Glory, I'll take for the Throne of Scores because I quite like to take a different army each time as well. Just so it's a bit of variety. And uh, again, it's quite fun to tell that tale. The other event that me and Jay are going to is the Horus Heresy Battles in the Age of Darkness on the 23rd and the 24th of July. Um, this is the first Horus Heresy event using the new uh, Age of Darkness rules for the second edition of Horus Heresy. And again, it looks like it's more of a kind of a, a light scoring one with an emphasis more on telling the story and seeing if the traitors or the loyalists win rather than a more kind of grand tournament format where we're just looking for the you know the top three players essentially and again i think this will be quite some fun there'll be camaraderie with your uh your faction and in true spirit jay has gone loyalist and i've gone traitor mm-hmm. um I'm, I'm, I'm torn on what to take I, I i'm thinking i might make take advantage of the fact that you can take an allied detachment so i can take a mixed army of emperor's children and sons of horus because i've been torn on which of these i want to do why not both is my uh, conclusion now and it means i can have different elements i'm i'm thinking at the minute predominantly emperor's children third company so this is when um when um fulgrim kind of retreated back to the ship and his um legion are just run riot now Idlon's taken kind of effective command they've got augmented upgrade they've got sonic weapons and the the, the wrong ones really they're just reaping and pillaging on terror um and i'm thinking of theming this around saturnine so while um the empress children are, are kind of doing their assault on the walls at the same time the Saturnine assault's going on, where uh, Abaddon and an elite cadre of uh, Sons of Horus make an underground assault into the palace. Spoilers, sorry guys, if you've not read that one yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so this gives me the opportunity to, to have that represented on the battlefield, where it's predominantly Emperor's children, but I have a small contingent of Sons of Horus led by Abaddon himself uh, as my little kind of strike force that will go to kind of cut the head off the snake. I really like that idea. I think that's a really good idea, Matt. So I think that'll be fun. So that's, I need to work out the points because I've got a lot of Emperor's children, but I should be able to fit in all the bits that I want in order to do that. And we'll have like termites and teleport strikes and stuff to get the uh, elite Sons of Horus elements onto the battlefield while the Emperor's children are having a whale of a time shooting things with Volkite. Excellent. Excellent stuff. And um, so do we, I mean, between the three of us, do we have like a, a priority listing of, of what we're looking to paint uh, or are we going to do it in the event order you know for example matt what i mean what what, what is your sort of painting priority so i've i've got a very as, as you guys know i've got a very disciplined painting desk so review stuff on the website trumps everything else first for me that has to jump in first out of the way after that i need to start building and converting up my path to glory army because that's going to take a little bit longer and i want to get them right I want to make them look good while kind of writing the lore and stuff. My army for the um, Rising Tomb and the Throne of Skulls, I've got army painted that I can use for them. So that's great. It's just a case of writing up the lore and stuff. Uh, equally, Horus Heresy, I've got 
like 3,000 plus points of Sons of Horus. I've got 2,000 points plus of Emperor's Children. So I can make an army out of the stuff that's painted. If I have time, I'd like to paint up a couple more units for my Emperor's Children. You know, some like Dreadnoughts and some more infantry and stuff. But um, really, that's going to come after all the other stuff that I want to do. So I guess review stuff, start converting for Path to Glory. Bit of... Um, Horus Heresy if I manage to do it in the next couple of weeks. And then really it's gonna be um full steam ahead on the path to glory and getting all that stuff done for it. How about you guys? Um so for me I think um it's definitely gonna be the forty K Crusade stuff first. Um what I need to do is sort of focus on what I wanna do for the army, write an army list. Uh, or you know the the approximate you know 50 to 75 power level sort of level and sort of work out where i can get to in that time um i mean i've got the chaos knights done i think i've got roughly about 42 power level of chaos knights built and painted um and i've still got a knight abominant and a carnivore to build and paint as well so I could quite easily get that done and that would um, probably take me over that 75 power level. Um, but at the same time, I'm kind of I'm kind of feeling like I want to do something else for it. You know, I think it, I've kind of come off a bit of a high from the, the 40K doubles where I want to build and paint some 40K and, and, and really go to town on, on a 40K project. And, you know, we've got two months effectively to to get it you know built and painted so i'm kind of looking at um chaos and looking at chaos space marines and one of the cool things about crusade is you don't necessarily have to be from the same codex you just have to say share the same sort of like faction keyword so like chaos for example so i could mix my chaos knights with some chaos space marines as well and do kind of like a a, a bit of a mixed force where i've got chaos space marines being supported by some chaos knights which i think would be really cool but again it's kind of like what units do i want to build and paint for that you know do i want to go for you know a really rich narrative which again with like one of those sort of for these sort of events you really want to go for um so i'm kind of looking at the crusade event um because that's my next event as well that's kind of like my my big priority obviously we've got the necromander stuff uh to build and paint for that but i i can't envision that taking too much time um and yeah once once the crusade stuff i've decided on then i've got to make the decision about path to glory but path to glory realistically i can start that you know in probably next month or you know just after the crusade event so for me, it's definitely Necromunda, but more the Crusade event first, and then Necromunda stuff, sort of like every now and again, because the the, the Necromunda stuff is for sort of like our personal campaign. It's not for an event. Mm-hmm. So as long as I get it sort of like built up and and gradually paint it up over the next couple of months or whatever, you know, that that's no problem. But yeah, the Crusade for me, I really want to go all in because. When we went to the uh, Escape from Pancalis um, crusade event, the thing that really annoyed me was I was painting my models the night before the event. I based them in a way that I didn't really want to base them. And it was 
I never really finished the army. It felt rushed. You know, I didn't write any narrative for the army and, you know, that sort of stuff. So with this crusade event, I don't want to be doing that. I, I, you know, I want to get the army, the project done at least a week before the event, because then I can just like, you know, write some narrative for the, for the, for the units, you know, why, why, why this force, you know, here on the tomb world, you know, doing what they're doing, you know, this sort of stuff, you know, and for me, I want to give myself plenty of time. So yeah, but the long story short, the crusade is my top priority at the minute. Excellent. For me, um, my priority is my all locks. Uh, the reason for that is to begin with, there's, there's only eight models. They're primed, they're built, they're ready to go. Um, so I definitely want to get them done. Ideally in a week, um, that's, you know, that's that's definitely possible and um, like matt i've reviewed stuff obviously he's always going to jump ahead of the queue i may have something that i'm actually painting up keep that quiet um which um needs to be done this week as well really um but yeah i do want to get my all locks done my second priority is absolutely the skaven um so i really want to get these guys done as quickly as possible kind of like with you andy i want to make sure i've got enough time to really delve into the law i mean i'll probably be, be creating the law as i'm painting the units um as i go so that by the time the army is completed i'll at least have the the, the groundwork or whatever of the law of my army ready to go so that absolutely um is going to be my second priority um it then the rest of the kind of priority could switch and change so at the moment i've got a lot of dark angels for horus heresy that want to get painted um if it wasn't for this path to glory these would probably be jumping ahead of them because you know i know jay and, and yourself matt you, you're really into the heresy at the moment so it'd be good to be playing with some painted armies against you but that's looking like probably priority free um we've also mentioned we might be tempted by a bit of kill team um so i'm tempted to paint a new death watch kill team uh for that um and then finally uh i don't know when i'm going to be able to start these but of course, there's my sisters that I really want to do for 40k. Um, they might be a bit of a push for this year. Um, that's probably going to take me into the new year. Hopefully, I mean, how many previews we're going to see between now and then that may <laughs> potentially take me off target. But um, I'm feeling good about what I've got laid out. In, and I think the Votan that we saw today was a good kind of, oh, you know what, Dave, look at these. You know, and, you know, I'm already like, yeah, no, I'm locked in. I know what I'm doing. Um, 100% I want to get all locks and my review stuff done. Get straight on with the Skaven and make sure they are absolutely spot on for when I go to that event. And I think that was a quite a fun section, guys. We've got quite a lot to look forward to. Yeah, yeah definitely. Of... It's, uh, I'm excited to roll in some dice with you guys. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of hobbying to do in the next couple of months. <laughs> I feel the the second half of this year, I'm really gonna have to, yeah, yeah I'm really gonna have to put put my foot down and, and get some hobbying uh, done. Absolutely, I've just been in and out of different projects. I'm looking forward to just getting the scape and getting it all out in front of me and going. This all needs to be painted. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes, and we'll obviously keep you updated on the uh, podcast and and on the website as well. I know we're gonna be trying to track. Um, some of these projects uh, in different articles and different features that are going to be on the website in particular the path to glory and um, to keep an eye on the website because a new section might be opening up on there very very soon Ooh. Ooh. 
so we're so yeah that brings us to the end of that segment uh, we're not finished on this week's podcast though because we do have everybody's favorite feature the top three to do and that's coming up next so it is time for this week's top three where we're going to be discussing our top three favorite paints that sadly have been discontinued so um let's start with you first matt what three paints do you wish would come back into the range so so the one that i'm sad have left number three tin bits tin bits was such a good paint yeah sometimes it solidified into a giant clump of metal but it was a really good paint for painting orcs uruk high that kind of stuff i love that paint now unfortunately with the old kind of bolter uh screw top bottles it very often dried out and it was unusable but it was a really cool metallic paint that they haven't really created an analog for in the current paint range i'd love to see metallics expanded maybe that's the next paint expansion they can do perhaps number two is um nostalgia in a bottle now i i think i started playing the game quite a while before you guys it was heady days everything had red on it all the bases were green it was a beautiful time. Uh, and as such, my number two point on, uh, paint on this list is Goblin Green. <laughs> it's just, I kind of want to do an Ultramarines Horus Heresy army painted in second edition style. Goblin Green bases and all. Yeah, that I, I've seen some um, of those kind of armies on uh, Twitter uh, and they look awesome. I'm actually tempted to paint my Cruel Boys like that because Cruel Boys are quite old school style, 80s style sculpts. And I think they'd look quite good done in a retro style as well. Mm. So, yeah, Goblin Green. Um, there, there are companies that produce colour matches for this as well out there. Uh, but number one, the greatest paint ever created by Games Workshop. Is it a brown? Is it a grey? Who knows? It is a magical colour that is at the exact transient point between grey and brown it is charadon granite and it is exactly the right color for painting a trench my death core krieg <laughs> this is how old my death core krieg are were painted with charadon granite bases and it was a beautiful color you you got the base you got some polyfiller you roughed it up you put some barbed wire in there slap some black primer over it slap some charadon granite over it while it's still wet put some out of devlin oil at the time wash over it and then spot some um gloss varnish into it as well and then when it all dries you've got kind of glossy bits that look like mud and then other kind of crusty dry mud areas it is beautiful sadly it is no longer available and there aren't really any current citadel colors that match it now instar used to do a color match for it and i bought like four pots when i learned <laughs> they were discontinuing it as far as i know any listeners please correct me I don't think there's any Cherodon granite colour matches out there. And if there are, let me know, because I'll buy like a box worth because I love the colour. <laughs> excellent, excellent stuff. I'm going to do mine next because I want to be honest, I really struggled this week. Uh, and that's because, um, unlike you guys, I kind of was late getting into... I, I've been into Warhammer for a very long time, um, but I absolutely hated painting. Like, I very rarely painted. I remember... Um, I think the most I painted 
up until obviously a couple of years ago was when the foundation range came out mm. um so i remember using some of those colors and do and doing a bit more painting but i think it was pretty short-lived I, I know it used to frustrate jay that we'd used to have painting sessions and i would just procrastinate a lot it did mean though that he had lots of cups of tea um because i constantly had the kettle on to try and get away from painting um so i i don't really have this like broad knowledge of old paints um but I have managed to put together a top three. Um, my third choice is a spray I used quite a lot on my Carajons and is no longer available, and that is the Fang. Oh, yeah. So every now and again, we see these spray cans come and go. I think, obviously, like your Retributor Gold and your, your Lead Belcher and stuff are always going to be um, sort of in the range, but I always fear that with all the other colours, they, they come and go. I know there was a, there was a Sunset Yellow, wasn't there, at some point? that's long gone uh, and so was the fang which i thought was a really nice blue um and was was brilliant on my uh, my carajons i think the last carajon ship i painted was actually undercoated by matt using the fang airbrush and um, which was yes. the next best thing um because i couldn't get hold of the spray unfortunately so um yeah that was my third choice my second choice um there, there are there are other silvers that have come and gone, but I, for some reason I always had a fondness for this silver, and that was mithril silver. Oh, mithril silver is nice silver. Yeah, which was a really nice. I remember painting it on like chainmail and stuff, and it being quite nice. I imagine it being quite nice, sort of shaded now as well. I, I don't know. Whenever I think of classic paints, that's always the paint that comes to mind. I must have just had loads of them or something, um, but it just kind of stuck in my brain, so it had to go in the top three. Uh, yeah, I think, I think Runefang steels a a a similar one, but it's a bit whiter than the yeah. more silver of of that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and my top choice um, is a paint I've never used. But I feel like I should have used it because everybody talks about it. And in fact, it's already been mentioned on this week's top three. And that's Goblin Green. Um, You've never painted a green base, Dave? I've never painted a green base, Matt. Um, everybody seems to have this fascination with this Goblin Green paint. Um, so you know what? I'm a bit jealous. I've, I've got a bit of FOMO. Uh, I, I want some Goblin Green paint so I can see what the fuss is about. <laughs> um, so there is my slap to get the top three. Andy, what's in yours? Um, so my third choice is um, a very simple one, but it was amazing. Like it baffled me as, as a kid when I used it, and that's chestnut ink. Um, oh, yes. So I, I used to use this over sort of like uh, uh, silvers and stuff like that, and it it would sort of like tone it into one of those sort of like a darky gold brown sort of color. Um, and is absolutely amazing. I mean, if you watered it down a little bit, you could use it as like rust on weapons and stuff like that. It, it had so many applications for for use and stuff like that. And um, yeah, especially with like a lot of projects like the Chaos Knights that I've been working on recently, having a little bit of like chestnut ink as like almost like oil sort of like coming out of the joints of the knights, you know, stuff like that would be would be super super cool. Um, the, the my second choice is. I liked I like to call it almost cheating. It was a it was cheating a in a bottle basically, and it was Talon Flesh, um, which is a foundation paint, and it was basically like Cadian Flesh Tone is in terms of like its sort of tone, but it it went on in sort of like a nice thick coat, and it was it was so quick and nice and easy for painting like ogre skin and stuff like that. And yeah, I really miss, miss it now. Um, 
so yeah my second choice was talon flesh and then my first choice um yeah i i i'm not gonna lie i i generally had a little bit of a tear in my eye when they discontinued this and it was devlin mud oh mm. devlin mud's a good paint <laughs> yeah i i think the, the first army i ever finished fully to completion was a warhammer fantasy dwarf army and it was basically a load of base coats and then just devlin mud over the top and the devlin mud it just it was like magic it it, it turned it from a bunch of base colors which you sort of looked at and went oh right yeah okay it's you know is it tidy it doesn't look tidy or oh, it's a bit missing there about whatever but as soon as you put that Devlin mod on the top, it just turned it into something that was amazing. And I remember painting the night before several tournaments, and it was only because of the magic of Devlin mod that I was able to finish those armies off for those tournaments. And um, yeah, I really wish there was some some Devlin mod kicking around now. See that. Yeah, I never used Devil in Mud, but what you've just described, Andy, is is a bit like me and Agrax Surfshade. Like I, I paint my death card, and I'm like, is this going well? Put on that Agrax, and suddenly it just turns into this gorgeous death card model. Um, so I, I can understand how much uh, you you love that paint if that did a a very similar job. Yeah, what well, it was, it was basically the same as Agrax Surfshade. I just like the name a little bit more. <laughs> I'm absolutely certain as well that would have appeared in uh, Jay's top three, um, because I know he was a big fan of that, uh, and the chestnut uh, chestnut ink as well. I think uh, is also a previous favourite of his. Um, so yeah, um, I think that brings us to the end of the top three. But we have absolutely been bombarded with community choices, so we're going to pick out a few and read them out in our final segment of this week's podcast. So it is time for the final segment of this week's podcast. It's time to read out some of the community top three picks. We're going to start over on Facebook. Sean Gleason has gone for Deadly Nightshade, Pallid Flesh and Orange Wash. Craig Chesters, the chief unicorn himself, has gone for Devil and Mud, Tentacle Pink and Matt's favourite, Charidon Granite. No further questions, he says. Andy Sims has gone also for Mithril Silver, uh, Fracker Green and Tau Sept Okra, and of course, Devil and Mud slash Goblin Green, but those are given. See what I mean? Everybody goes to Goblin Green. Uh, Paul Crowcroft, Crowcroft, sorry, uh, says uh, Scorch Brown, Regal Blue, and Enchanted Blue. What do we have over on Twitter, Matt? Well, we've got like near 100 responses here, so I'm going to call out some of the, the top ones that I've spotted as I scroll on through. Uh, Tom Lehman says Goblin Green, Chestnut Ink, and for the third, they can't decide between Vermin Fur and Armour Wash. Uh, Brian Kelly says Deadly Nightshade, the best colour they've ever made, Deneb Stone and Snake Bite Leather. Uh, Dee Porter says Lustrian Undergrowth, a much-missed quick basing aid, Armour Wash, always did what it promised, and Spearstaff Brown, because it wasn't, it was at best a mucky shade of yellow. Yeah, it was horrible. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, TJ Paints Game says the inks always leaked. Always. Um, the rest of them aren't as good as the new paints. Yellows especially. Controversial view. There's a lot of nostalgia and rose-tinted goggles, but actually I think the current Citadel range is really, really good. Uh, Old Geek 1981 says Imperial Purple. Used it to paint Ultramarines in a rich blue. 
Terracotta for Scenery and Blood Angels, and Tin Bits, Lovely Stuff. Uh, Hobnail says Brownwash in the Hex Pot and Snakebite Leather Paint. Matt Stanley says Delvin, Devil in Mud, Charidon Granite, and Armour Wash. There's a lot of love for Armour Wash on here. Uh, Dungeons and Drygins says Snakebite Leather, Scorch mm. Brown, and Warlock Purple. Uh, Grilling in the Brush says yes, yes, yes. Also, they discontinued it while that same line was being sold, but Nauseating Blue was very underrated. Painted on straight, it was really, really dark blue, but add a touch of white and it became a magical purpley blue. Chris K says, Amethyst Purple, whatever happened to coloured metallics? I'd love them to do a coloured metallic range again. Uh, Chestnut Ink, they've got half a pot saved for emergencies. And Jade Green, 14-year-old me, would find an excuse to use this in literally every model. I did on my Wood Elves back in the day. Um... Pete McDonald says Tin Bits was amazing and Imperial Purple. Jewel Knight Jess says Glistening Green, Scorpion Green and Hawk Turquoise. Uh, Sly Morbo says Delvin Mud, Talent in a Pot, Mechrite Red and Tin Bits. Uh, Mengel Miniatures says Charidon Granite, Charidon Granite, Charidon Granite. And <laughs> Pete Allison says Warlock Purple, Necron Abyss and Charidon Granite. Apologies to all the people who put in the things. There was way too many to get through today, but... Uh, yeah, there's a lot of love for some classic paints out there. Absolutely. There was a nice nice variety there, but there was a couple, obviously, that, that jumped out that everybody seems to really get on board with. Um, that just leaves me, Matt, to ask you, what is next week's top three? So next Sunday, we have got the Summer Skirmish Preview. So it's an easy one this week. What are your top three reveals from the Summer Skirmish Preview on Sunday? A lot of alliteration in that one. I like that. Excellent. You can get your choices in early via via our social media. Alternatively, on the Sunday or Monday uh, before we record, we will be popping that out on Twitter and Facebook. So you can just pop a reply to that. And again, we'll read out as many as we can on next week's show. But for now, that does bring episode 192 to a close. It's been another fun one, guys. And we'll be back again next week with some more podcast fun. So until then, have a great week of hobby and we'll speak to you all again very soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Spruce and Brews podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruceandbrews.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at Spruce and Brews or head over to facebook.com forward slash Spruce and Brews.